Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pop That Mama podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Sally Ann Beresford, who is a birth educator, doula, writer, fellow podcaster, and she's all round amazing. And she doesn't know this, but I have actually stalked her in the past. So I was delighted that she sent me a message on Instagram saying that she wanted to come on and talk to you guys about how to be a phenomenal birth partner. So get your birth partners with you right now to listen to this podcast. They do not want to miss it. Enjoy listening. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Poppy. I'm absolutely delighted to be talking on your podcast about the role of the birth partner it's it's such an important topic for everyone to learn about in preparation for the birth of a baby and unfortunately one that isn't focused on enough so um it's great to have this opportunity Amazing. so yes hello i'm sally ann beresford as you said i'm a doula i'm an antenatal teacher and hypnobirthing instructor i teach pregnancy yoga i'm a doula mentor for doula uk And as well as being an author, as you've said, I'm also a podcaster. I produce a weekly podcast called The Ultimate Guide to Being a Birth Partner. So, yeah, that's just about everything for me. Great. And and you've been in the the industry for over 20 years, right? Yes. So I, I got involved in birth support just after my second child was born in 2000. And I set up a home birth support group because I really struggled actually to find support myself to have a home birth and um, my husband and I even though he was a very uh, unwilling participant in the idea of having a home birth to begin with when we continued down that road and had a beautiful birth he was amazed and wanted to help spread the word so that's what we did in 2000 we set up a home birth support group and it just took off from there. Wow. Amazing. And I did read that you have actually supported over 500 births. Has that number increased since I? Since yeah, I, I, I support many each month to achieve the birth of their dreams, which is just a delight. It's such an amazing job. Incredible. Well, actually, before we kind of delve deeper into the birth partner role, a lot of my listeners are really interested in physiological birth. And I can't remember where I read this recently, but it said that actually physiological birth is becoming an endangered activity. And it's quite scary when you look at the statistics at how rare it is to have a kind of fully physiological birth. So what can people do to give themselves the best chance of having a physiological birth? And and why does physiological birth matter in your view? Well, I mean, to me, there's there's three different types of birth. There's physiological there's managed and then there's abdominal birth. And the difference between physiological and managed is that if you do anything to the body, you change physiology. That could be something as simple as a cervical sweep to bring on your labor or just heading into the hospital for a late scan and having anxiety around the fact that your body it, it may not produce contractions when the time comes and so that you need to do other things to bring on your birth whatever you do to influence your body and your baby to be born is changing that physiology so i think that's why it's becoming an endangered species because you know when people intervene in any way the baby can end up in a tricky position that you could end up having 
a lo- much longer labor, become tired and exhausted. So for me, when I teach about physiology, it really is about reeling it back to having a deep trust within the body, to allowing the body to do what it needs to do when it's ready, for the baby to be born in its own time, and for us to really just facilitate that in the best possible way. One of my favourite sayings, Poppy, is if you don't get hormones, you won't get birth. And for me, the understanding of hormones is the key to physiology and really, truly recognising what a difference hormones make. When you understand hormones, when your birth partner understands hormones, actually, there's so little that you both need to do in order to trust the process that birth just flows and it flows really easily. So, you know, being in a situation where you uh, allow the baby to come when it's ready, that you wait for those signs of labour, that when those signs arrive, you don't chase them in any way. I was recording my own podcast episode yesterday and I was talking about the idea of bouncing on a birth ball in early labour. And when someone wakes up at three o'clock in the morning and thinks, oh my goodness, I'm, 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 it's starting, they become excited and they want to get things going. And the idea of going back to sleep is, is foreign to them. They don't want to go back and rest and relax. So walking around and standing upright and bouncing up and down on that ball is the thing that they seem to think will be the best idea because everyone thinks gravity is what you need to help your baby to come down and to press on the cervix and to dilate it. But it isn't. What you need is high, high levels of oxytocin, which is produced when you're relaxed and when you're in the dark and when you're feeling warm and safe. That's why labor starts at night mostly, when you're lying in bed in that exact environment. So staying there, staying warm, not engaging with anyone, just breathing and relaxing, even if you can't sleep, just allowing your body's oxytocin levels to build is really, really important. And then once that process starts, because oxytocin is produced on a feedback mechanism, once it starts and the roller coaster gets going and you enter established labor, that's the time that you can get up and bounce on your ball and have a little walk around and do things that are, you know, more conducive to helping the baby um, into uh, the right position. But those early stages are the part where everything seems to go wrong for most people. And that's why physiological birth is dying out because people aren't learning enough about how to facilitate the production of oxytocin in early labour. And once you're on that spiral of intervention, once you start doing things the wrong way, it's hard to go back and get that sorted because you're tired, you're exhausted, It's been really long and you just, you know, lose trust in your own body's ability. That is so interesting. I never really thought about that, that kind of early stage, because you're right. We do chase it. We kind of think, oh, signs of labor. Right. Let's let's do our, you know, use our tools and things. I would also add that the end of pregnancy for most birthing people 
is actually a time that is hugely stressful now because if you get to your due date, if you don't give birth on your due date, any time after that is spent in a state of anxiety where all that's happening is lots of mention of interventions, lots of kind of coercion. I had a call from my birth box client from France yesterday being like, I am just being so coerced right now. They're telling me that my baby could be born, still born if I don't get induced at 39 weeks because she's now been flagged as having gestational diabetes. So I would add to that. It's just that end bit of pregnancy has kind of been a bit ruined in some ways, whereas actually what you could be doing is just really enjoying that that time between worlds. Absolutely. So as a birth partner, actually, first, what is a birth partner? That's a great question. And probably one of the reasons why I wrote the book about birth partners, because I think lots of people think that a birth partner is a dad. And actually, not every birth partner is a man. Um, A lot of birth partners are um, mothers, sisters, friends, doulas, midwives, doctors, anyone that has any influence in your birth effectively is a birth partner, someone who really, you know, has has a say or tries to have a say in what you do and how you birth. So for me, figuring out who you want to be in that space with you, figuring out who your birth partner is, is really important because it actually isn't always the other parent. Um, Sometimes they don't feel comfortable being a birth partner. Sometimes you don't want them to be your birth partner because you've already identified they wouldn't be the right support for you. Um, So understanding the role of a birth partner is, is important to know who to choose um, it's a really key role. Uh, it, it's it's just about someone who really knows and understands what you are tr- what you are trying to achieve, and how to best support you in in achieving that. Yeah, and I've been reading a lot about uh, what Michael Odent's kind of view on you know dads in the birthing space. And I know you trained with him, so you probably know a lot about this. But I found it really interesting and. You know, um, with my clients, I I find that some partners, whoever that might be, are really up for being involved. And one of them said to me the other day, I want to feel each contraction. I want to be, you know, with her and feeling her and and in it. And some are like, oh, I'm going to just blow up the birth ball. I'm going to, you know, I kind of don't want to be so close to it. So it's almost like how do how do people have this conversation with their partners to find out maybe if actually they they aren't going to fulfill this role as birth partner how do you how do you kind of make sure that decision is right and how do you have that conversation as you know should you be the one to support me or not how how should that sort of happen in your view well i do always advise a couple of birth planning sessions within um the pregnancy i don't know maybe before if you're taking an antenatal course having a an exclusive sit down with your birth partner where the telly's off, the phones are away and you really sit and discuss what kinds of things that you're thinking about achieving during your birth. Most pregnant women or people have done a lot of research themselves. So they will know what they want to share with their birth partners, even if the birth partner hasn't got a clue what they're about to sit down and discuss. The pregnant person will know. So 
having a birth planning session, sitting down prior to an antenatal course. Then if you are attending an antenatal course, having a revisit of that same discussion after the course and seeing if anything has changed, seeing if you've been enlightened by the services that are in your area of the kinds of decisions that you might be expected to make during your birth and really trying to work out whether you think the person that's supporting you could be a good advocate. Because if you are in a situation where you're in a birth environment, be it at home, in a midwife-led unit, in a hospital, and someone is trying to coerce you to have a procedure that doesn't align with your birth preferences, that doesn't feel right for you in that moment, you're going to need someone to step up for you and advocate in that kind of situation because this is your birth and you only get this birth experience once. You will never have this again. And this birth, whether it's your first, last or somewhere in the middle, will affect you for the rest of your life. So making sure that it's the best possible birth is crucial and you can only do that if you've got the right person supporting you. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So a lot of my clients sort of say, well, what if I'm just a spare part or I'm really worried about being useless or being bored as well? Being bored comes up because if you're in a really long labor, you know, you've done your light touch massage, you've done a bit of breathing and you get a bit like, oh, well, and, and time, I guess, feels different for the birth partner because they're not in that kind of physical um, roller coaster of, of labor. So how do birth partners ensure that they are not useless or a spare part? What would you advise? That's a really great question. I think birth partners need to understand that if birth is going well, there is very little for them to do. In fact, it can be quite boring. So if they prepare for that, that's important. I guess having a discussion about that in advance with the person going through the birth is is equally as important because one of the things I would always say is a birth partner is there to be, not to do. So on that basis, being present is important. And if she looks at you and you're constantly on your phone, that might be really irritating to her and lower her oxytocin levels. So for me... I would say, have a discussion about what that might feel like for her. If you say, I'm going to take my headphones and my iPad and sit in the corner and watch a movie, is she going to look at you and go, no, you're not? Then you'll know that's not appropriate. If she says, okay, that's fine. Actually, I'll I'll just call you over if I need you. Then you've got blanket permission to get on and download some movies. It's important that you open up these kinds of discussions. I think birth partners need to make sure that there's plenty of food for them because, you know what, if it is a man, most men can't go more than two to three hours without food. So being stuck in a birth room for 10, 12 or more hours, hopefully not as many as that, but, you know, plan for the long haul, expect the the unexpected, and then hopefully you'll be surprised that it isn't as long. But, you know, having that food, those snacks, talking about what kinds of things they could eat that wouldn't irritate you, not not eating stinky food that will be smelly in the room that would drive you insane. 
talking about making sure you've got a toothbrush and toothpaste there for them so that when they have eaten, they can brush their teeth. And then when they do come over, you know, they're not they're not annoying in that way. But yeah, understanding that actually when a birth is going well, there's very little to do is is really important because it means that the birth partner can feel confident that birth is going well if they don't need you. It's the birth partners that are there that are doing full on um, pressure in the back, in the lower back, that are having to do something during every single surge that are exhausted and burn out quite quickly. So, you know, less is more. If you are at your partner's birth and you're sat in the corner having to do nothing at all, thank your lucky stars because that is actually a gift. Your baby will be born soon and, you know, there is very little for you to need to what or want to do. Definitely. And um, I was working with a client recently who had pre- prepared all of these tools, counter pressure, light touch massage, and her birth partner, was who was her husband, had planned to be extremely involved physically and emotionally and everything. And actually what ended up happening is he picked up on her cues which were, leave me alone, I don't need you. And I think that's really important is how does one become kind of attuned to what's happening in the birth? Because you can have this plan of being really involved, but if she or they are really going into themselves, you know, is is it then time for them to actually say, right, I'm going to take a back seat or I'm going to leave the room for a bit, you know, I'm going to do something else. Absolutely. And I think that's what the the key about understanding hormones is because if you get that the production of oxytocin is caused by you know um her being in the zone then you know that you entering that zone will break her out of that and bring her thoughts back into her her mind and disrupt the flow of labor so you're doing her a massive favor and yourself by staying out of her face out of her way out of her eye line and not doing anything. I mean, the most important role you can have if physiological birth is going well is you're in charge of the straw and the drink. So you can have that drink nearby to just hand to her at a moment's notice if she's thirsty, that you can have a nice cool flannel to place on her forehead if she's feeling really hot. And otherwise, there's really not much you can do other than the odd snack and helping her to go to the toilet every now and again. It's so easy when things are flowing and having those discussions in advance, especially one of the things you just mentioned, Poppy, was about um, physical contact. If you've had a conversation with your birth partner in advance and you've said to them, "I, I love massage, I want you to massage me during labor, and they are doing lovely, like soft touch massage, and you go, get off me, then they can go, oh, okay, and not be offended. And then if you change your mind, you can go, can you do that again? Then they can come back and do that again. I, I always say what happens in a birthroom stays in a birthroom. If somebody is in labor and they want you to put some sacral pressure on, but then they tell you to get off. Well, imagine having a baby rotating in your pelvis. What must that feel like for you? If you are offended by them asking you to start again, stop again, now a bit lower, now a bit here, now a bit there, 
then this role isn't for you. You need to get someone else involved that can help you to uh, support her through that journey because if she's feeling high sensitivity and she needs you sometimes and not all the times and it could be a little bit here and a little bit more there, that's your job. Suck it up. Yeah, that's so good. So one question that I get asked a lot about is the moment of transition in labour, which we all know about. It's the most intense you know, period of labour. So you've seen a lot of births. So how, yeah, how does one kind of move with that intensity and go through that intensity with the support of birth partners or not? In your experience, yeah, what what are the kind of the main, have you seen a common thing between all births during the transition that is useful? What would you say? Well, let me just backtrack slightly and say that in my book, I have an entire chapter on the safety word. And I encourage all of my clients to have a safety word because one of the things I've learned over these past two decades is that women like to vocalize in labor and men like to fix things. And actually, there is no place to fix things in labor. If you're able to freely vocalize and say that this is tough, that you're struggling, that you're um, finding it, you know, in a particular way or just making really loud sounds, your birth partner should be able to sit back and go, great, this is normal, this is okay, and not want to fix it. So if you've got a safety word in place, what this means is that every time they vocalize, you can confidently keep them going and saying, you are doing great, Um, well done, or I'm proud of you, or you've got this, whatever your words are of encouragement. And you can relax into the knowledge that if she changes her mind from plan A, which might be that physiological birth in the birthing pool, in the midwife-led unit. If she's in the pool and she's told you 50 times that she's struggling but not used her safety word, it's your job to just keep her going. If she changes that and she says, okay, I'm safety wording you now, I'm done, I don't want to do this anymore, then you get to look her in the eye and say, I'm listening. I hear you. What do you want to do? Let's have a discussion about what you want to do next. That might be that she stays in the pool, but she has a vaginal examination and potentially considers gas and air. It might be she wants to get out of the pool and go up to labour ward and have an epidural. Who knows what her thoughts are in that time? But having a safety word in place gives you security. When you get to the period of transition, it is 95% likely that she might choose to use that safety word because that is a period of time where her natural hormones are changing from high levels of oxytocin to high levels of adrenaline. And the adrenaline is waking her up and bringing her back into the room. And she finds her voice. She becomes really clear and consistently saying, I can't do this anymore. She's waking up out of her sleep state and she is really, really in that fight or flight mode. 
The adrenaline is doing that to her. So remember, if you don't get hormones, you won't get birth. Learning about these hormones and their specific roles is so valuable in advance of labor so that both you and your birth partner recognize transition as a really clear and positive thing. And then if she safety words you, you can confidently think to yourself, actually, this might be transition. Bide your time, just see how you get on. And then if needs be, that's when you need to say, okay, I think you might be further along than you think you are. I know we talked about, maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but I'm going to use this as an example. I know you talked about not having a vaginal examination, but before we get you out of the pool and get you up to labor ward, why don't we just see what's going on? Because it could well be that you are fully dilated or near to being fully dilated. And typically, in my experience, by the time you've gone and spoken to the midwife as the birth partner, relayed the conversation, she's gotten her stuff together. The woman's pushing. She's actually changed from that, you know, absolute consistent contraction surge sensation, you know, behavior to actually starting to show signs that she's bearing down, in which case, no need for anything. There's no need for checks. You can just confidently be assured that actually that was transition talking and that they are absolutely fine to keep going in the situation they were in. However, if that doesn't happen, a vaginal examination takes place and she is found to be three, four, five, six, whatever centimeters she decides means she would like to switch to plan B, then you are getting her out of the pool. You are drying her down, getting her dressed and transferring because that's what she's told you she wants at this time. So it's really, really important to have a tool that you can both use. So if transition does kick in and she loses it and she goes off on a, you know, help me, I can't do this. You know that you can keep going if she hasn't used that safety word. Love that. Love the idea of a, a safety word. And, and also, yeah, it's not about necessarily trying to save them immediately, but also kind of spotting that that's a positive sign and that actually some encouragement could, could really work. Um, so I think now's the time to hear more about your book, Labour of Love, which I have been, I've downloaded it on my uh, Kindle and read a sample and I've also been looking at it and it's got so many good reviews, my God, on Amazon. Amazing. Talk to us about about the book. I wrote the book in lockdown at the start of 2020 um, with that beautiful sunshine sat in my garden, which was exactly two years ago. I think now we, we're, we're there, aren't we? And it came about because I had started working with an NCT antenatal teacher about six or seven years earlier. And I don't know why, but, you know, classic antenatal course stats aren't always the best. Um, you know, you see a lot high levels of C-section, induction, etc. And I, I asked if I could observe one of the courses. And when I sat down and watched the content, even though the content is amazing, there just wasn't enough about the role of the birth partner in there. And I really wanted to take part, but I wanted it to be on my terms. So we sat down and we unpicked the entire course and we rewrote it 
to involve the birth partner in every element of the of the journey through the pregnancy, the labour, the birth and the postnatal period. And once we started teaching the new format, everything changed. The results were incredible and we could see clearly that it was working really, really well. And so I just knew that that content was so valuable and I wanted it to reach more and more people, not just in our area that we live in. I wanted it to reach people worldwide. So I wanted to start writing a book a couple of years before, but as everyone always knows, these things never, you know, um, come around. So as soon as lockdown kicked in, I knew it was my window. And I put everything that I know as a doula of 20 years um, and an antenatal educator into that book. Every single tip that I have every single ounce of knowledge is in there and it is it is really helping it's helping other doulas midwives other birth professionals of any kind hypnobirthing teachers anyone that is in the birth keeper role is saying how much they've learned from from that book and then equally you know the book is for pregnant women and people and their birth partners. It's not just for birth partners, because as the pregnant person, you need to know what it's like to be supported. You need to know what you have to enable them to do. It's not as simple as saying, well, you go over there and be my birth partner. You need to be able to tell them what you need and you need to help them to be the best birth partner that they can be to you by using your communication skills because if you don't tell them, they're not mind readers. They, if you don't tell them, they're not always going to get it right. So it is for everybody. And I really do hear that, that the pregnant women are the ones that are reading it. And often they'll say, you know, my birth partner doesn't read books. So what I've done is I've highlighted sections and I've copied and pasted or I've written out sections that I want them to know about or I've screenshotted and sent them um, you know the picture of the the bits that matter to me so they've cherry-picked the elements out of the book that they need them to understand fully there's a whole chapter on birth plans there's you know whole chapters on plan a and plan b and you know what if you want to make a postnatal plan because at the end of the day, so many people overlook the postnatal period. They prep for the birth, but then when the birth, when the birth is over and they've got their baby, they're a little, they flounder, you know, they haven't got, um, they haven't had the conversations that they should have had antenatally about how they're going to navigate that time. Amazing. Oh, well done you for writing it in lockdown. That's so good that you can look back on lockdown and go, I did that, you know, whereas you could have just had lots of sleep. And um, that is so amazing. So I'm going to leave a link to the book in the show notes. And where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? So you can find me on Instagram at the ultimate birth partner. You can find me on all platforms for my podcast, which is the ultimate guide to being a birth partner and my book is available on all um, websites so amazon and waterstones and wh smith etc my own website is birthability.co.uk 
So you can find me on there if you wanted to do any private sessions or group courses, etc. I'm more than happy to um, speak to people from all over the world, which is, I mean, lockdown's just been fantastic for opening up that platform, hasn't it, to be able to support people in any country at any time. It's been amazing. Most of my clients are actually overseas, so yes. it's pretty incredible. Well, do you have any last words for any of the birth partners who have been listening to you? Any final sort of any final message that you want to leave them with? I think do the work um, is important. I think if you if you are taking on this role as the sole birth partner, you really need to put in the time and effort because you have a very crucial part to play in this birth experience. And even if that means sitting in the corner on your hands doing nothing, that you need to know why that's important. So putting in the time and also the financial investment. I think a lot of birth partners don't really recognise why it's important to invest financially in a good quality education system. You know, if someone is, is you know, having to pay, that's because you would have to pay for anything else in your life that is worth investing in. And this is probably the most important thing that will happen to you in your life. So see it as money well spent is my is my recommendation. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, thank you so much, Sally. It's been amazing to talk to you. You're welcome. Hi guys, I'm just adding this announcement onto the end to let you guys know that my online hypnobirthing course, Birthbox, is now live. Go and check it out. I've put so much love into this. It's an immersive course that's split up into video and audio content, so really giving you a flexible learning experience. Go and check it out in the link below and have a lovely day.